You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode, episode 261 of Disability After Dark. Thank you for being here and for shining a bright light on disability stories with me today. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this episode started, shall we? First thing, I just want to flag. I know I said there would be an episode of Cripology this past week, but then my IBS and my chronic conditions flared up and I started to feel like shit so I literally quite literally like shit so I could not produce an episode I'm so sorry I will get to one as soon as I can and there will be an episode of Cripology part two when I'm able to produce it but stay tuned for that because I know some people said they love that show they love this idea and I love doing it so there will be that bonus episode soon for you in your ear holes very soon thank you for your patience also with respect to patience just want to say, as I said this last week too, but I'll say it again because it's important. I have a lot of episodes from April, May, June, July, August that I have not produced yet because of disability and because of me going through some health things, trying to figure out how to stop my IBS, not feeling super great, not having energy, not wanting to, or simply just having brain fog and forgetting to release things. That's happened to me too. So I want to say that to all of you who are, who have guested on the show and who will guest on the show, your episode will come out. It's not going to not come out. I still have it. I'm still going to produce it. It just might be longer than what we expected. And when we record stuff, stuff goes in a vacuum. I understand that. The one you're going to hear today is from April 2021. So five months ago-ish. So like... Things things change and things take time and I'm so sorry if you know you've wanted your episode to be out and it's taken a while. I apologize, but I had real reasons for delaying that and when you sign up to be on the show, when you sign up to be a guest, I will make very clear to you that I don't know when I'll release your episode. When I have the energy and the spoons to do so, I will do my best to release one 
every Saturday as I can. But I don't know when that'll be always. And of course, if you're going to be a guest, tell me if you have something coming up. And I'll make sure to slate it for that. But I do my very best to produce content once a week for you, no matter what that looks like. Whether that's me doing a solo episode or bringing on a guest, I do my best to make content for you. And I create this content by myself in my bedroom while dealing with health stuff. So I just want to make that very clear that, again, I am always constantly working to produce an episode once a week or sometimes more than once a week. So I appreciate your patience for those of you who guested and for those of you who will be a guest. Um, thank you for understanding. And I wanted to, to make that very clear because people have come to me and said, like, where's my episode? And I feel bad, but I wanted to let you know that because of my chronic conditions and because of my disability and all the things that I contend with outside of this podcast, things take time. So I appreciate your patience and for sticking with me as I do all this. Thank you so much. But now let's get to the show today. On the show today, I sit down with adaptive fashion designer and my new friend, Victoria Jenkins out of the UK, who talks to me about creating her fashion brand, Unhidden, for disabled bodies and how that came to be. Also, her experience becoming disabled as a disabled person with stomach issues and what that journey's been like for her with respect to her body, fashion, her partner, um, relationships, so many things we talk about. And we also talk about the ways in which fast fashion can be and should be more accessible. And I love talking fashion because I... Like I'll say in the interview, I wear track pants all the time and I love talking to somebody who's trying to create something different for for fashion around disability. It was really cool to sit down with her and talk with her. We recorded this back in April of 2021. So like I said, four or five months ago, really, really fun to chat with her. And I really encourage you to look up her fashion brand, Unhidden, because they're doing amazing things trying to bring fashion to the disabled market. So I really hope you enjoy this interview with my new friend, Victoria Jenkins, as we explore disability and fashion and how it should be unhidden, right here on Disability After Dark. Victoria Jenkins, hello! Hello, Andrew, how are you? Good, I'm doing so well, and I'm so happy to finally have you on Disability After Dark. You and I, just before we, just before we started, we've been talking about how like we've been trying for about four months to get this happening. So wow, I suppose yeah, it's four months. It's been about four months. So like, I'm really glad that it's finally being put to a recording. Yay, awesome! So I loved you kind of coming on my radar because you came on my radar kind of out of the gate. You're like, I run a fashion brand. I want to talk about fashion and disability and I want to talk about like all these things and so so there's so much I want to unpack with you today and so much I want to talk about but before we get into all the the nitty-gritty parts can you introduce yourself to the audience and tell us who you are and what you do sure so hello everyone uh thanks for having me Andrew um so I'm Victoria Jenkins I am a disability advocate and an adaptive designer so I'm also the founder of Unhidden Clothing which is a socially responsible adaptive fashion brand for people with disabilities. That's awesome. And I'm, um, oh, I'll add in, I'm in London, UK, <laughs> and I'm 35. I, I don't know if my age needs to be in there, but I'll put it in. <laughs> all of that works. I mean, I love London. I was there in 2019. I, I'm obsessed with it. I want to move, like, if I could, if I had enough means to move there tomorrow, I would move there tomorrow. Oh, wow. It's, uh, it's not super accessible, though. Like, I d- did you find that you had a problem with it? Because, I mean, yeah, all of my friends it, so far are like, oh. <laughs> I found it very inaccessible. I, found, I mm. found the tube to be not accessible. I found the, yeah. the tube attendance to be less than kind. Um, <laughs> yeah. I found most of, the, most of the taxis in London when we were trying to get from, from, the, from the train station to the, our flat, we, we had booked a disability cab and they were like okay what kind of chair do you have and we said you know it's a power chair like this is what this is the dimensions like we, and it's okay we have one just for you no problem so yeah we get there and they send us a regular cab and we were like oh 
what are we supposed <laughs> to do here now? And so they ended up having to, we ended up having to wait on the street by St. Pancreas Station for like an hour and a half. While oh they my brought goodness. Us that is ridiculous. I mean, it's not the first time I've heard a story like that, but it's still, you know, it just shows how, I mean, that's only 2019 you know which basically yeah. was last year because you know corona yeah, sort of took much. a year out so this, 20, oh. this is march 85th million <laughs> yeah. um so one of the parts of your story that i love and i i love well not love but i love that you have kind of um what, let me try my words again. What am I saying? And who knows? Uh, I'm very interested in your disability origin story and how disability became a part of your life. Can you yeah. share with us what your disabilities are and how they impact your day to day? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's it's kind of difficult because with, with my case, like with many of my uh, chronic sick buddies, it's a like a, a collective amount of conditions. But um, really, I don't. I think I'd always kind of had stomach issues um and that was you know that was the case when I was at uni and then I kept going to the doctors and they were like you're young you're a woman it's just IBS and or stress you know sort of very much just sort of put to one side and you know medical bias as you know is is the thing uh no it's not expensive thankfully for us we have the NHS it's just you know the NHS no no it was dismissive right oh dismissive sorry yeah yeah very dismissive um so yeah they so they didn't do very much and I kind of gave up on going and then I had this awful stomach pain. But again, I was like, oh, well, this happens from time to time. You know, I'll just ignore it. So I ignored it for two days and then I was like, oh, okay, actually, we need to go to A&E, which is like the ER for you guys. I think in Canada, you don't call it accident and emergency, do you? No, it's the ER. But yeah. I, 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 like, I like so much more that you guys call it A&E over there. Like, yeah, it's, so, it's just cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, why can't that at least be universal anyway? So, uh, yeah, so I got there and they sort of, they were quite slow. They ran a few tests and then, because I walked in and said, you know, my stomach really hurts. Like, this is unbearable. But I wasn't crying at that point. And then they was, it was all very slow. And then they sort of took me for an x-ray and saw that I had air in my stomach. And basically I'd had an ulcer that had burst and had been leaking into the rest of me for like three days. Oh. And so, like I looked up because um, in the x-ray room, like three nurses just ran out of the room and I was like, oh, there must be an emergency somewhere else. And then I was like, oh no, I'm the emergency. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. oh dear. So yeah, so they hooked me up to a morphine pump and you know, catheterized me and admitted me. And they were like, we don't know what we're gonna find when we go in there. Um, because it's been a couple of days like I was extremely I don't know fortunate lucky or daft but one of those but um like a bit of my colon had actually come up and like blocked the hole so actually the acid hadn't leaked and caused so much damage so I just had a really big scar they just had to sort of put everything back in place so wow your colon came up yeah like ascended up into it yeah, like, and I told this to a doctor and they were like, no, that's not true. And I had to root around for ages to find like my discharge papers where they were like, yeah, we don't really, we've never seen it happen. But basically the hole was wow. blocked from, you know, causing too much damage. I'm like, well, happy days for me. That's very helpful. <laughs> so, yeah. And then since then I've had oh, just everything. Like I had my, my gallbladder was diseased and distended. So they removed it, but then the, um, the operation as happens quite commonly apparently gave me like permanent costochondritis like a uh, rib condition where like all the the muscles in between your ribs are inflamed so that's fun because it's really uh. quite painful <laughs> and then and then I have my appendix removed because it was also diseased um again they haven't bothered to look into why that it just was and then it, so it's just kind of my stomach itself I now have um two exits from because it's completely paralyzed and um, so food doesn't pass through so they've rerouted so I've got like a second they've connected a second bit of my intestine to my stomach so there's two exits so my intestine kind of has to do the job of my stomach now so I have a boy question or like yeah. a really like 12 year old kid question how <laughs> Go does for it affect it. pooing um actually that for me is a problem in as much as um I don't really I don't go often enough so I have to take medication to make sure I do so like it, I can go 10 days without pooping um I've done that yeah, yeah it's not it's not great fun 
no, I've, I've been there. When I yeah, when we, we were traveling, when we were traveling to like family trips, I would get nervous. Oh, my body no. would just be like, nope, you can't poo. You're not pooing. I don't. We don't care. And it would take me days. And of course, now now that I have IBS, the other way, what I would give for like yeah two three days of peace would be great exactly yeah it's such a weird thing though isn't it because it can go one way or the other like if I have like a couple of days where I go loads and like this is great I feel like this is what everyone else feels like when they go and then if it carries on I'm like oh no back the other way I prefer that version like it's, yeah, yeah it's a lot less it feels like it's a lot literally a lot less paperwork when it's yeah the other way. yeah exactly <laughs> um I love how with every guest, this podcast eventually goes to a, a poo discussion. It's it's, I mean, it's uh, all about the poo. <laughs> right? It's all about the poo. Um, so tell me about, like, tell me about how your decision to start an adaptive and disability clothing brand came to be. So, tell me all about Unhidden Clothing. Yay. Um, so it wasn't even, I mean, this is, I think, just, you know, sort of a symptom of how internalized ableism expresses itself. I hadn't. I work in fashion my whole life. That's what I did. You know, I studied at at university and then it wasn't even until 2016. So like four years after my, after my stomach ulcer went that, um, that I met a hospital patient, like she was on the same ward as me and she'd had, she'd had ovarian cancer, but the radiotherapy had destroyed her bowels. And so she had, I think she had two bags, you know, like two stomas as well as, medical lines into her arm and she was there to be fitted for TPN and she just had to get completely nude you know every single time the doctors came around her because it was so complex obviously there was always like six of them at least and I just thought I'm sure there's there's got to be a better way because she constantly just had to take everything off and on and it wasn't very comfortable for her and then even just during the day we'd be sat there you know all she could really wear was a baggy t-shirt which she still had to sort of either lift up all the way up to like basically over her boobs so they could access the TPN or she just couldn't wear it at all and then I sat there and thought my whole career has been about garment construction and how things are made I'm going to google this and I was like I'm sure someone will be doing this you know I was like they must be and what I saw you know like Tommy Hilfiger started his range literally the year before I think but you know everything else that I saw just none of it seemed like it was especially fashionable aimed at young people none of it was like formal shirting it was all still basically pajamas and I was like well no so that sort of took hold of me but because so I quit my job um and decided to go freelance but then I thought I'd have more time being freelance and I probably had less (laughs) it wasn't until uh COVID struck and then I you know I didn't have any clients so I was like right let's push it forward now so We've come, come quite far in, I think, even less than a year. Like this time last year, I think I just decided, right, let's get samples made. Let's have a Kickstarter, like literally this wow, time last it's, year. It's only been like 12, 12 months. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we only actually and, launched in November. So, um, so it's yeah, only November been last like year. six months. Yeah. Which is crazy. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, congrats. Tell me a little bit about Thank like you. what kind of what do you think the difference in your branding is versus from what you saw? Like when you saw, when you saw what was out there and then you were like, this doesn't work. What did you want to do that was different in terms of fashion for disabled people? Well, I, I wanted it to be, and it's not, I don't know. It's obviously style is in the eye of the beholder, but I wanted people to have like a luxurious, stylish, fashionable choice. I didn't want people to feel like all that they could get was loungewear leisure wear pajama looking clothing I was like you know I'm sure we can do better than this um so I mean much as those are needed and I do absolutely plan to at some point have those as well I thought I'm going to start with the one area that I never see people with disabilities in and I think I think we don't see it because non-disabled designers or carers or occupational therapists you know back then they were obviously working a lot with sort of elderly people they weren't really thinking about young people at all and I just thought well that's also that kind of if we don't give people disabilities the choice to wear clothes like that how are they going to go to an office job how are they going to go for a formal interview if they can't dress for it so I was like you're kind of almost you know it's restricting people and then it's kind of assuming that they don't need it or they don't want it so because so much of what we wear like so much of what we even what we're offered in terms of adaptive fashion is very much 
a poncho that you drape <laughs> yeah. over yourself i mean some of the stuff it... i see like i enjoy it because i'm like do you know what? it's clever <clears throat> but it is just like yeah like the sort of sleeping bag for a wheelchair user i'm like yeah it's really? like one big poncho or a cape and it's like well that's very nice but like yeah i'm like i'm that sure doesn't... that's gonna go down the catwalk next week you know like it's just yeah. not <laughs> it's, and it yeah. doesn't scream like sexy it doesn't scream like desirable. exactly scream like hot yeah it doesn't say woo we're like yeah we're part of the the global population it's not it's just i didn't feel that it was especially inclusive even though it was inclusive design at the time and like yeah inclusive design tends to be like we're including you, but we're including you as an afterthought. We're not creating yeah. something for you that you're going to love. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of the pieces that you want to create or have created that you think are more inclusive than what you've seen out there. So, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the trousers, um, both the standing version and the seated version. So, you know, we have a seated version for men and women. I mean, I've also tried, tried to battle with the idea of just removing gender from it at all. But I'm like, how many things is the world ready for all at once? We've got to, have, we've got to get them to understand adaptive clothing before I then say, oh, also we're going to remove gender and you've got to sort of, you know, you're going to have to read the product description because what I've realised is people don't like to read the product description. So it makes it really difficult if I take, if I don't separate them for people to know which style they should buy, even yeah. though it shouldn't matter at all. And I don't even have sizing like traditional sizing. I have the garment measurements. So, you know, rather than saying like, cause each fabric obviously has a different size anyway. So like, and no other brand sort of shows that information. So I thought if everyone can see what the fabric, what the actual garment itself measures, they can get the right one based on that. And I'm looking at the website now, is it, and I'm just seeing you also have a cost breakdown, which yes. I think is super great because then you understand what you're paying for. I mean, I've seen adaptive brands who charge, I'm not going to name who I'm thinking of, but there's one out there, I swear to you, a t-shirt is like $50. And I'm just kind of going, okay, well, if somebody on low income can spend yeah. some t-shirts. That's the thing. And like, like, I really struggle with it because, you know, I know I'm, our stuff isn't cheap um, by the world's definition of cheap. But, you know, I think that's also a bit, especially in the UK, that's a problem of fast fashion. You know, like we sort of value quantity over quality. Like these are all made to like a really, really high standard, but you're not paying that high price tag for them. If you actually look at what you're getting, it like it's, it's worth what it costs. And also when you pay your supply chain properly, you know, we work with a woman run and owned factory in Bulgaria um, all the cloth is dead stock and sustainable. So we're not polluting the planet either. So like trying to be really responsible with everyone we work with, including the resources that we use. Yeah. So, and I really, I really think yeah. the breakdown, like even just seeing it even from what I can see now, like you go from branding and packaging to uh, what it is to make one to like what, to like the fabric cost to like, to sew it together, the trims, like it's just, yeah. It makes me feel if I was buying one, which I might, who knows when I buy one, <laughs> one day <laughs> I'll, I'll feel, I'll feel, you know, much, much happier because I also know that I'm supporting someone who is disabled, who's making something who's yeah. trying to like sustain themselves and also sustain a, a, other people. So I think like, I just think that's really, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I've tried. Like, I've, yeah. I've sort of, I've gone all around the houses on it, you know, cause it's really hard with pricing and, I'm so aware, like in the UK, I think we have, we pay like an extra 580 pounds a month just to be disabled, which is the world's most rubbish wow. tax. So like, I think it's, I think it must be similar in the States, if not higher, given that you don't have the same healthcare access that we have. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was, I'm super conscious, but I think also perpetuating the idea that everybody with a disability has no money is also not the right way to go. So this was a way of, sort of showing, well, this is what it costs to make. I'm going to do everything I can to get to the point where I'm a bigger brand. I can afford to pay, to buy more fabric. So the price of the fabric comes down. So then it might get cheaper, but until that point, I'm kind of, you know, I'm stuck. Yeah, of course. And also if somebody with a disability wants something, like we can save up. And if we like, if we, if we really want something, we have the means to get it. I don't think it's, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's fair to assume that every single 
disabled person can't afford things. Yeah, because we we can. I just I know from what I've seen of other inclusive fashion brands, I'll look at some of the stuff they're offering, and you I'll go, well, that's a really nice whatever. But you realize <laughs> your population is like living in abject poverty, right? Like you realize, yeah. like, <laughs> the majority of people that you're dealing with have very little income, and even if they did save up, like buying your product wouldn't be a smart move for them. So like, <laughs> I like I like that you have put a cost breakdown because then it shows the person like the work you put into it. And also if they want to save up, they can. Um, tell me a little yeah. bit about one of the things you wrote in your questionnaire that I'd love to hear more about. And because this was at one time a sex podcast, now it's an everything podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> tell me a little bit about like your experience with painful sex. So, I mean, this was, it's quite hysterical. If you actually Google my name, um, a terrible sort of tabloid paper in uh, the UK did actually run this story. And the headline was just, I tried to say to my family, like, you don't have to read this article. I actively advise that you don't <laughs> read it. Um, and they, they did. It was just like, woman has veins in vagina removed. Like, it was really dramatic. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, it still makes me laugh. And I was like, no, no, that's not quite what happened. I had... So I have pelvic, pelvic congestion syndrome. So I have varicose veins in, um, in my pelvis, but also I have a vein that goes like the wrong way around. And like, um, sort of, yeah, like they're in my labor and everything as well. And obviously when you get warm or shall we say ready, um, then, you know, obviously things get larger, so they get more painful. Um, but cause I kind of, I just didn't really consider that it was a conversation I should have. Like, I didn't really say anything to my partner about it at all um, until, you know, I'd sort of been complaining about just pain in general to do with it and going to the gynecologist. And it was when we saw, we had to go private and the, um, the surgeon said, oh, you know, so obviously sex is really painful. And I was like, yep. And my boyfriend was like, is it? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. oh. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was just one of those, it's hard, it's hard to talk about, you know, cause you kind of, especially when you're already sick and there's already so many other things going on, like it's just another thing to take away from you. So, you know, yeah, you yeah. kind of, you, yeah. So for me, I sort of did the wrong thing, I think for a bit too long. Now, obviously I'm a, bit, a lot more open about it and obviously I've had to share quite a lot, <laughs> but also to let other people know that like it, it is normal and you have to have this conversation because if you don't tell anyone, including your doctors, but especially your partners, then, you know, no one's really winning in that scenario. How does, um, how does your partner handle the fact that you have multiple disabilities? Um, he's, he's amazing about it, to be honest. Um, I, I don't like to use the word care against him, but like that is kind of, you know, there's no denying on occasions that's what he's had to do. Like when there have been times where like I hurt my back earlier in the year because I was working from bed because I didn't feel very well. And then I did something, who knows, to my back, but it was in so much pain. I got taken to the hospital and then they catheterized me. And then, you know, I couldn't get in and out of bed. So he was having to help me in and out of bed almost after every surgery, you know, he's had to help me wash my hair or, just get from, you know, just get up out of bed. Like we have a thing when I'm in a particular amount of pain, we have a system, you know, we roll me onto my side, pull me up by my shoulders and swing my legs off the bed and then like help me stand up. So like we have a system <laughs> to get me out of bed. Um, and I think early on, I think that was really hard for both of us because, you know, it was kind of trying to, I because when we first got together it was almost just after the stomach burst ulcer incident. And then a year later, you know, sort of, other surgeries happening and slowly over time like getting a bit less mobile and having a bit more symptoms um so it kind of changed it. and I think there's definitely been points you know you have up and downs like anybody does I think obviously it's harder and I mean I you know I'm terrible if he's sick I over nurse him because I'm like I'll do anything to make you feel better <laughs> uh, so I kind of go like I go too far um to like oh I don't know it's almost like an overcompensating isn't it and it's but it's also horrible to watch somebody else be unwell you know so like I I don't know how he does it because I hate it when he's not very well like I'm like I'll do what I can to take it yeah. away and then obviously when it's you know with someone like me it's not going to go away so we just have to get used to it yeah um does that does does that relationship with him being your carer does that impact 
your intimate relationship at all I don't think so I mean it just I think it just makes um us both a bit more aware like I I wouldn't I probably have to like instigate it more I would say um because it has to be very clear that it's that I'm like feeling well enough too um I think yeah yeah but and and yeah, I think generally it's just, you know, just sort of making sure. I mean, we kind of know if I if, if if we eat late for whatever reason and I lean over, there is a relatively high chance I will throw it back up. So we kind of have to be mindful of that if like for whatever reason. We, <laughs> you know, we've never had an incident. Thankfully, we've had some near misses, but we've never, I've never actually <laughs> sick on it. Thank goodness. <laughs> Well, when, if if you do, it could make for a hilarious story. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. You've just got to find the uh, find the funny. And yeah. so, what was it like for you? I'm gonna switch around again. But what was it like for you to kind of come into this understanding that you yourself were disabled from this stomach incident that you had? Um, it was hard. You know, I don't. I think I fought against it so hard. And tried to prove I was just still just like everybody else could still do everything like everybody else. And on occasion, I still absolutely, you know, fall sort of fall prey to that again. Um, and I think because, you know, with everything that I have, was, everything was getting diagnosed and more and more things were going wrong and there were different medicines and more surgeries. None of the doctors were using the word disabled at all. And, you know, I was like, well, does that make sense to me? And when I, you know, when I was looking at everything I was doing with Unhidden and the people I was speaking to, you know, there's no, there's obviously, there's no competition within disability, but there were certainly times when I was like, I have, you know, I have worse symptoms than that person and they're saying they're disabled. Does that mean that I am? Or, you know, is it, and I think to be fair, completely, it's up to the individual person. So, but yeah, I think actually once I accepted it, it was, pro- was probably only a couple of years ago, but once I accepted it, I was like, that actually makes me feel better. There's a label. I, it means a bit more than just saying I'm sick on occasion a bit time, a bit of the time, because that I think the non-disabled people don't understand unless you put a bigger label on it. Just saying chronic sick, yeah. I think, doesn't necessarily get the same level of respect, maybe that disability does. I don't and know. It's a whole, it's a whole conversation. It, it, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of conversations, and it's funny because I spoke with somebody this morning and I recorded one this morning where we had the same conversation. And she was like, I don't know if I'm disabled. And I was like, well, let's talk about like, how does it make you, how does the word disabled make you feel? And why would you, like yeah. we went through like how, you know, and I kept saying to her, it's okay if you are, like, it's okay if that's what you need to do for yourself. Yeah. And she was like, I'm just not sure yet. And I said, you know, I said, it's not a linear process. You don't wake up one day. Even if you say had an accident, got in a car accident, you don't wake up one day and immediately your brain goes, okay, I'm disabled. Even yeah, being born with absolutely. disability, like it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. So, I think like that, you know, even for you, the label might feel good right now, but in two years it might change. Like who knows? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's funny. Sometimes if somebody else calls me, I'm like, no, don't call me that. And then I'm like, oh, but that doesn't really make any sense if I. <laughs> want people to (laughs) like no but I think it depends on the context doesn't it I mean there's I spoke to someone a while ago and she has sort of mental health issues um and she's recently been diagnosed I think with ADHD and she was saying you know I you know do is it okay if I were to use that label and I was like well the, the definition of a disability is something lifelong incurable that impacts your daily quality of life. I was like, if that applies to you and bearing in mind, I think depression is in the UK, at least it's the most common disability and that's a mental health issue. Um, So I was like, you know, it absolutely, it counts, but whether or not you want to use that language is entirely up to you. Like if you feel comfortable with it, then by all means use it. You know, no one's going to come at you with a pitchfork and tell you off for saying, you're disabled when you're not, you know, I mean, well, I say that obviously there are some people that will <laughs> go, but you know, yeah, generally say, speaking, like, have you been on, on <laughs> people's Instagram pages lately? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, mm, okay, no, let's change that. But yeah. I said like your friends and family will, you know, they will understand and get it. And yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, about um what do I want to I had it in my head now it's gone tell me a little bit about like 
the kind of things you'd want to see in the fashion world for adaptive fashion and for inclusive fashion. Like we've see we see people on runways being like occasionally mm. they'll get a really cool disabled model to do like a great runway show. And we see some really cool models like Pansy St. Batty out there doing great stuff. Mm. And that uh, and and Lucy Dawson doing great modeling things and stuff like that. Um but what as a designer, what kind of stuff in fashion trends do you want to see? I mean, disabled fashion. I want to see, I want to see like an actually include. I mean, I don't really want to see more catwalk shows to some degree because they are a terrible waste of resources when it comes to the planet. But um, that said, I want to see people with disabilities in the same space. I don't want them to have their own runway or their own series on TV, for example, I want it to be normalized so that everybody's doing it. And the other thing I really want to see, which is a controversial opinion for a small adaptive startup brand, I want existing brands to do it. You know, like I, they've got bigger, better resources to some degree. They could hire disabled talent. They could educate disabled talent. I, you know, the future is, it's future-proofing your own brand anyway. But I think that's what I, ultimately that is what I want to see is that everybody has at least a bit of their their line or what they sell being inclusive because I firmly yeah. believe we all deserve that choice like it's not fair to say you can shop here but no not you like no non-disabled people would not stand for that kind of behavior so I don't think it's fair that we ask the same of people with disabilities yeah and I mean I think like that I, I think that someone like Tommy Hilfiger or something like a bigger brand like like I think it'd be really cool for you if they called you up one day and said, hey, can we, can we like take on hidden fashion as part of our stuff and work with you and pay you lots of money and help Ooh, you? Like- well, I mean, yeah, as long as it supports um, the general ethos, that would be great. Um, so yeah, who knows? We shall, we shall see. Um, I'm like I have that in the universe. <laughs> I mean, I'm absolutely game for collaborating with other existing brands because I bring everyone along with me for the ride. You know, like I speak to the other adaptive brands and there's some incredible people coming um you know maria adaptista like what she's going to be doing is going to be incredible but yeah i think it's we've all got to work together to some degree and i'm yeah, happy, to, think... happy to have a collab but equally you know for now i also just need to pe- people to know what i'm doing <laughs> yeah and to get to get to you um yeah. speaking of that tell me a little bit about what the what the response has been when you were like hey we're launched here's who we are like what What's that been like so getting, getting? It's been mixed. Like initially it was kind of difficult to get any kind of PR or press about it because they don't, you know, disability and fashion in the UK isn't something that they'd ever really seen put together very much. So there was a lot of people that were just kind of like, oh, no, thank you. Um, and then, oh. and you know, and then it's kind of, it has picked up and then we've had some crazy coverage the last few days. We've been on the, because we're doing a pop-up shop as well. So we've been on the BBC, Huff posted an article, um we've had some other people write things you know amazing things about us like over time it's been like this year in particular since January there's been like loads of people interested in talking about it and it's definitely starting the conversation but in terms of sales I would say it's been you know a bit slower but I'm not beating myself up about it because you know we're still in a pandemic our community in particular has uh, been hit pretty hard so yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just kind of keeping patient and just hoping, you know, it'll all work out, hopefully. And if you could kind of do a quick elevator pitch, because I know people in the media listen to the show and I know the show goes all the world. And if you could like, just get yourself some more press, mm. what, would you, um, what would you say? Oof. So, well, Unhidden is, it's not just a fashion brand it is a company that has social justice as you know every part of its core like I'm an advocate myself so when I design when you speak to me I'm advocating for disability awareness as well Um, and you know we're using dead stock fabric so we're ethical and sustainable we're supporting a women-owned factory I do want to start doing adaptive alterations and offering that as a service Um, so that people can save their existing clothing and we are going to film workshops and have them available for free so that people can learn how to adapt their own clothes so that money isn't going to be a barrier to anybody that needs to have adaptive clothing that's amazing but for the workshops charge put it on (laughs) something and charge like 10 bucks just 
Well, you know, when you're like, maybe someone could sponsor other people to have access to something, like maybe I'll do something like that, like a big company yeah. can sponsor people to be able to come onto it. Because I just, you know, like I know it's a company and I'll, I mean, this is where my stakeholders, I think, panic every time I open my mouth because <laughs> they're like, no, we're a business. And I'm like, but let's give it away. <laughs> yeah, so, no, the uh, same it, with, it's hard. The same with, the same with Handy and our sex toy. Heather is the CEO and I, yeah. and I'm the creative one. So I'm like, no, it's everything could be free, right? And she's like, no, it ha- <laughs> we have to. Yeah, we're a business, not a charity. Like, no, we'll we'll make it work. Yeah, it's really hard because yeah. you want you do want everybody to be able to have access to it, but you know, when money is a barrier, there's very little you can really do about it. So, yeah, that's why I'm like, well, we'll have the clothing, and then we'll have free stuff. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. As a a fashion brand, what is one thing that you wish you could see out there in the world that big, that like fast fashion could do for disabled people that they're not, that you're like, why have you? Well, I mean, they could start by hiring more disabled models and like more commonly. I mean, again, it's a problem that I see a lot is they might, they might use a disabled model for a campaign, you know, because then it'll get loads of attention, loads of people look at it, and then you go on their website and they haven't used those photos. There's a few brands that have done that. I won't name them because uh, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> and then there's there's others that, you know, they, they might have used someone with a disability once, but they don't use them every season. It's not like it's commonplace. It's just every now and again. And I think yeah. that's what they really need to do is they need to have like a roster of diverse bodies and actually mean diverse bodies you know and then I think there was one brand they used um this amazing wheelchair model but they uh they put her in a jumpsuit and I was like of all the things to put you know and it wasn't an adaptive one I was like of all the things to put on a disabled body a jumpsuit probably the worst garment you could have gone with you know when you're like and it didn't cross anybody's mind to say why don't we try and make one for her that actually works for her? You know, like I saw the photos. I was like, I wonder if that started a conversation. It didn't because that was two years ago and fast fashion two years ago, like, you know, it was completely different landscape. So, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'd like to see is them normalizing disability and normalizing, including disability. And I agree with you. And I think also, um, I think we need larger discussions of, how fashion feels on the disabled body and like yeah. sensory stuff around disability and so like oh for sure yeah 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 because like the way like I live in I live in um trackies you know all the time that's what I wear day in and day out partially because it's the most comfortable but yeah. also partially because I have to deal with cares and I have to deal with comfort and I have to like I have five other people touching me every day that I have to do what works for them so if I want to wear a jean I can't so how do you how do you think that as your brand grows you will kind of adapt to not only not only the needs of the disabled person but also understanding that the disabled person has cares they're going to have to interact with and how will the clothing be easy for them to apply yeah well I mean the trousers are all they should um pull on because they like even though they're tailored they do actually have lycra in them so they are stretchy um but yes i do plan on having you know what essentially it will be jogger fabric but they'll still look maybe not like joggers so they'll be soft and easy to pull on but yeah i you know there's so many designs that i want to do and it's just we had to you know you know you have to sort of make things smaller and smaller because if we came out with like 30 different things it would have been well, it's, it would have been silly as a small brand. So I'm trying yeah, to start yeah. and do, but we will. Way too yeah. hard for you as a brand to like yeah. cover all that. Because yeah. like, well, I'm just, I'm just thinking about that because my closet is full of like gray trackies because, and joggers because it's the easiest thing for me to wear. But if someone said, I want to, I want you to wear a sexy jean for this event, I'd be like, nah, how about I wear a nice <laughs> dress shirt and drag pants? Okay, cool. Like there are pictures of me from, from 2020 last year just before the pandemic where I was in LA and I was on like the red carpet looking all swab from the from like the belly button up but if you went below that I'm wearing track pants and I didn't care but I'm just laughing because it's like well yeah this is what you have to do so I'd love to see more red carpet looks that are like yeah that are disability friendly for well exactly who, uh, yeah that is that's you know that's part of the the end goal for sure is to have like that sort of fashiony look but everyone's needs are thought about I mean you know there's I want to you talk about sensory you know I want to do a range 
that is, you know, specifically for people with sensory conditions because you know like um, I've heard a lot of you know people with ADHD they need certain or they like prefer certain colors they don't want seams and then you think about people with skin conditions they need a different sort of fabric and and like less seams and less pressure as well so there's I mean once you delve into it there are so many things but you know like I said I had to start small I plan to expand (laughs) if I'm able to (laughs) and you know we, we talked earlier about a larger brand picking you up and so I'm or like picking up the idea and running with it too like all the stuff that we just said there's mm-hmm. so much possibility there for not only for to make a real conscious social change into fashion but also like this profit bigger brands which how you, like you can make so much money because exactly we'll go like oh, wow you thought about me cool I'll pay yeah and that's powerful like you know people talk about brand storytelling and you know it's all we live in a capitalist world that's all about growth I think the purple pounds, like the spending power globally is one trillion that. pounds. That's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like one. Why would yeah, you not? One, <laughs> and purple, why would you purple, want to cater to that? And purple pounds for anybody who's listening who's not from the UK. That's like the, that's like the disability spending power yeah. every year. And yeah. so like what I love about those, the, those metrics is it shows we have money and it shows we have buying power. Yeah. So you should be kidding to us. Like you yeah. should be. Exactly. I think like I saw someone said it the other day and it stayed with me. Like I think 44% of disabled people are elderly. So then that's kind of, it's more like the older generation, you know, as you get older and you lose mobility and you have various things happen, you become disabled. So they actually referred to non-disabled people as the not yet disabled. Yeah. And I was like, uh, oh. I've and then, you know, heard. you think about brands that, you know, they want their customer to shop with them for life, but they can't if they get to X, Y, Z age and suddenly everything's really difficult for them to wear. So it does yeah. actually really, it just means that everyone can shop from everywhere, you know, within, yeah. obviously within reason, I appreciate people still have, you know, different age criteria they might be going for, but all the same, if you include absolutely everybody, then ev- absolutely everyone could choose to shop with you. It just makes sense. Like if eventually Unhidden Clothing had like a young, like a, a toddler section and then like oh a... I get asked about kids wear so often <laughs> and I'm like I really want to but I can't you know also like with kids wear the legal rules around it like and fastenings and trims and stuff is intense yeah. and you think adaptive wear pretty much is extra trims it's just you know yeah. I like I want to think about it properly um and it's not something I'm going to rush but it is something I want to do but like it would be really cool at some point to have not only kids wear but also like sexy disability teen wear like you know like you're in your 20s and you want to go to the bar and here's a hot disability thing for you to wear like how cool would that be it would be amazing and like yeah it should it should already be a thing and the fact that it isn't just means what you're doing is really cool and I also love the name of your brand because it's very clear what you're trying to do and like thank you as a disabled person, you're not trying to, while you're trying to normalize disability, you're not trying to hide from it. And it's, that's very clear in the, in the branding and in your name. Yeah. Um, tell me as, as a disabled person, what is the most inaccessible piece of fashion you own right now? Uh, probably tailored trousers. Cause like to sit down in them, they, I mean, trousers aren't designed for sitting. So if I've just, you know, and if they're not stretchy either, then for me, I, what I usually do now is I either wear, wear my own designs or um, I buy jeans that are like too big so that on my waist, it's not uncomfortable. They don't cut in and dig in. But, you know, like when yeah. all of the designs are like high waisted, tight, you know, it just, well, it means that I either might wear them once a year when I'm feeling brave and also that I know I'm not going to be sitting down or, yeah. or I just don't wear them. Like I keep looking at this one pair that I have. And I'm like, really don't think I'm ever going to put you on again. But I'm going to keep you there in case I change my mind. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as a penis-having wheelchair person, I have to tell you, trousers and jeans that bunch, anything that bunches yeah, in yeah. that area is like, why in the world would you ever put that on your body? That's why I made the decision like like six years ago to just wear, to just wear joggers and trackies because I was like, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. I want to be comfortable. I don't care. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. Jeans. Are, yeah. Jeans are not too bad if they got stretched. I'm wearing a pair now, but like 
they're they're too they're sort of a size too big so like I walk around a lot having to hoik them up but when I'm sat down they're fine so yeah you know you deal with it and one of the things you wrote in your questionnaire was also that you know you wanted to talk about fashion and desirability and disability what is your views on your disability and your desirability as well um well it's I think it's different disabilities have different reactions don't they I think like because I have invisible disabilities you wouldn't know it unless I you know for whatever reason expose myself at you um or you see me on the beach in swimwear you know like you wouldn't you wouldn't see it otherwise but there is that difference of you know like all these ad campaigns all this advertising you know it feels like in, especially you know in this sort of social media world that we live in sort of seeing almost half naked bodies all of the time but they're always well I wouldn't call them perfect bodies because I don't think that's a thing that exists but you know but they're, they're always sort of filtered yeah the coded is perfect we're fed them as they're perfect and you know if you don't look like that then you're not and I think that's so damaging and limiting especially when you think about well people like me but you know anyone really with a disability that doesn't see themselves growing up represented anywhere then you know and then you're that's fed into the people around you and if they don't see it and if they're not told that it's okay to find it attractive which is certainly the you know the case that it's not then you know you go go through from school up to you know even up to once you're working in whatever you do with your life surrounded by people that have never seen anyone that looks like you that has a body like yours so it's you know like it's almost like you're it's such an anomaly and then you know if they do find you I think there's probably there's got to be that thing of people that are non-disabled that have a disabled partner there's got to be at some point where they have that question with themselves of is it okay that I'm attracted to this person because yep. they never see it and they're never shown it in a desirable way so I think it's you know it's got a huge impact yeah and I think the clothes we wear um also definitely has an impact on yeah how like it alludes to and- that you know like if you're dressed up all smart or if I think it comes down to if you're if you feel good and you feel like you look good then you're going to give off this air that you are desirable like I think it's really hard to try and tell the world that you're desirable when you feel like you're restricted and trapped in your clothes and like you're feeling uncomfortable when you're basically yeah <laughs> when you're basically given a poncho to wear or like a- yeah exactly like hey want to hook up yeah, like <laughs> me a- and my sleeping a- bag <laughs> Like a brown, like slack potato bag, basically. You're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Want to yeah. do things now? Yeah. Like so. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think, and I, I'm wondering, are a lot of the models you have on your site were they, that like took the picture in the clothing? Were they disabled humans? You they are. Yeah, they are all disabled. I mean, Moed um, has Crohn's, so he and he doesn't actually identify as disabled but he does have Crohn's yep. and he will have it for life. And he's got a stoma bag. Um, it's actually something I keep thinking I need to put as like a little addendum somewhere saying like all the models used have a chronic illness and or are disabled because obviously the thing about it is, you know, that it might not even be the first thing you notice that the tubes are coming out or that they've got, a, you know, an oxygen tack on. You might not realize what that's all there for, or even the wheelchair users yeah. that they're seated. You could just, you know, cause we took them, those that were able, we put them on the sofa and then I was like, but if we do that, no one's going to understand. And then if disabled wheelchair, like wheelchair users see this and we say they might think that we've used able-bodied people or non-disabled people yeah. as models. And actually somebody did share a picture of Moeed saying, you know, this model isn't disabled, but some of the others are. And I was like, oh, hang on. They all are, or they all have yeah. a chronic health issue. But, you know, but again, it's, it's really difficult to sort of, describe an invisible illness when they're wearing clothes that help them because it obviously isn't showing the thing that you you know the yeah. thing that's wrong or that's yeah oh no, no, no. I, I'm, I was looking at the site and I figured they all were I was just like I'm just gonna double check that like just yeah double check. But that's the thing I'm like I need to have it somewhere saying we will own because like you know, I have no problem and I actively encourage non-disabled people to shop for me as well because they'd still be supporting the disabled community by doing that of course but yes. you know I'm never going to use able-bodied or non-disabled people in my advertising like they I have mean, all the advertising in the world I don't think I need to do that you too. could certainly include them in your advertising if they were wearing their own clothes and like it was like hey so-and-so with a disability is wearing my clothes and their friend is here too. Like, <laughs> I mean, exactly. If they were together in a picture, that would be quite fun, actually. That could work. Yeah. But yeah, the just thought of show... doing it just on their own, like, you know, when you're like, 
it just for me just wouldn't sit very well and I'm pretty sure no. quite a lot of people would be well I dread to think how angry it would make people so. uh, Instagram is a trash fire of a place and if you I mean it's not I, well it isn't isn't I found I find Facebook harder like I, we've had more negative comments on Facebook than we have on Instagram for sure well that's good because I'm slowly like just the way I do my branding and stuff like we're doing we do a lot of stuff on social media for my stuff and for the podcast and like yeah I have to be so careful what I say and how it's how it's talked about because people even if I have an opinion that isn't exactly what someone else thinks wow yeah. it's dangerous wow yeah I mean the problem with that is you know is a council culture doesn't really work and b we're all different humans you know I I'm a disability advocate but I wouldn't say I speak for every single disabled person because there are some things yeah. that it's not my lived experience I'm not qualified to talk about it you know the intersectionality of things I you know there's so many things I can't speak for because it's not it wouldn't be right to and it's you know I don't know every you know I don't know what is it 50 percent of the global population I don't think we all see eye to eye on a lot of things <laughs> that would be you know that would be quite something if they all agreed with me so yeah I think it's difficult though because you, you know I don't like to be I don't like to feel like I'm restricted and I can't say things I think sometimes a difficult thing or opinion has to be said but I yeah. think obviously you know people also need to understand that we're all human at the end of the day totally um this is a great interview I had fun sitting down with you it was really fun it was really like thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your evening to do thank that for you. me it's been great it's been like one of those days where I you know when you're like I don't know what I've done today but this is something I can be like I recorded a podcast that's a very def- definite tick in a box that I can have today yeah and it was so fun and like I, I definitely want I want people to know about your brand and I want them to buy all the clothes from you because we need more stuff like this and as a disabled person who wears clothes even when I don't <laughs> yeah. even when I don't want to I think we need to see more of this so thank you for sure how can the humans listening get a hold of you and follow on hidden clothing and support your work and buy the clothes and how can they so- do that? Our website is unhiddenclothing.com. Um, our Instagram is unhidden underscore clothing. And then my um, advocacy page is Victoria underscore is underscore unhidden. It's a bit of a mouthful. I might have to change it at some point. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we are. We're generally we're just online for now. We do ship globally. Um, we've got a pop-up shop in London on the 20th of May for one day only um and then we'll just watch this space really like we are in talks with um some people in america some people in canada some people in australia about how we can sort of manufacture out there so that we can ship out there a bit easier but you know there's plans there's plans but for now it's just unhiddenclothing.com <laughs> if you need a trouser ambassador and if if ever oh absolutely yes for sure andrew that would be to amazing have me wear, to have me wear things for you I'd be happy to. That'd be great. That would be great. Right, I'm just um, gonna write a little note to myself for that. Send Andrew all the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, thanks so all much right, for thanks. speaking to me. No, it was such a pleasure, Victoria. It was so fun, and I would love to chat with you again soon. Yes, let's do it again. Love it. I'd like that. All okay. right, Victoria. Thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode about an inclusive fashion brand, Unhidden, with my new friend Victoria Jenkins. And please go check her out. All the things will be in the show notes. I really, really appreciated chatting with her and doing that with her for this interview. I would love to have you on the show to talk about your stuff. But even even along with having you as a guest in the show, I want to let you know that we are looking for a new ad space we've opened up some ad space on the show so you hear the ads for clona willy and come as you are there's some 30 second ad space that's open up right now with the show and i'd love to offer you a chance to have an ad on the show so if you want to if you want to promote your program or promote a product or promote something for the disability community on the show for a 30 second spot Reach out to me at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and maybe we can work together. Also, and lastly, before we close off here, remember that we have Disability After Dark merch. You can get t-shirts, you can get pillows, you can get hoodies with our logo shining a bright light on disability stories in purple on a shirt. It's really cool and it would support 
this program. So if you're able to, and you listen religiously, maybe grab a shirt, or grab a pillow, or grab something from our merch, and I'll make sure that's in the show notes too. I just want to let you know that that's out there and available for you, and with our company, there are 35% off sales all the time for our merch. So if you go there, there's often deals for shirts to make them more affordable for you. So I'd love for you to, to wear a shirt if you wanted to. And I just wanted to put that out there and remind you that you can. But um, thank you for listening. Here's our outro, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore or you can follow my website, www.andrewgerza.com, to find out more about what I do. And of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021